We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Thanks for the intro. It is great to be here as always. I am super pumped up. We can almost taste football. It is upon us. Um, and of course, next week, next week marks the one year anniversary of the Packaday podcast, which I guess means we've done 52 shows so far, give or take. There might have been an extra one in the beginning, but I think I can speak for Kyle when I say it has been an absolute pleasure to be here, to be part of this podcast. And we certainly wouldn't be here without Andy Herman giving us this opportunity and then also conveniently enough recommending that we co-host together. So that was cool and a great fit. And we certainly wouldn't be here without all of you listening. So a colossal, huge, massive thank you to everybody who has listened. And if you get a chance, please go out and follow us on Twitter. Kyle's at Packer underscore Pundit, and I'm at Andrew Mertig. This is a passion project for all of us who host, and interacting with fans makes it all worthwhile. So 
if you can share the podcast with your family, your friends, your coworkers, whoever else might be interested, that really helps us out too. The more listeners we get, certainly the better product we can bring to you every single day. And follow and rank the podcast on your favorite streaming service. Uh, subscribe. Do those things. We really, really appreciate it. But we've spent the last month or so talking about all of the Packers' opponents' off seasons. So I've almost forgotten who's even on the Packers' <laughs> roster at this point. And we finally wrapped back around to Green Bay. So, Kyle, what do we have in store for the listeners this week? Yeah, if you are one of our loyal listeners to the Packaday podcast, you know that we are in the middle of our positional preview series. We are taking a deep dive into each and every position on this 2019 Packers team, getting to know the individual players, and trying to discern to the best of our ability how each player figures to factor into Green Bay's plans in 2019. So thus far, the Packaday team has previewed coaching and special teams. We've previewed the safety group. The cornerback group was Wednesday's episode, and yesterday was the linebacker room. So if you missed any of those positional preview shows, make sure you go back and get caught up after you finish today's episode. Uh, But speaking of today's show, today is all about the edge rushers. And so Andrew and I are going to do our best to talk through each and every edge rusher on this Packers current roster. And this is going to be a fun one because of how crazy different this group is than it was just a couple of months ago. The Packers finished 2018 with Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, and Kyler Fackrell as their most notable contributors off the edge. And most fans were convinced that this position group was one that needed a deep overhaul in the offseason. It's pretty obvious as well that Brian Gutekunst had a very similar read on the situation because a complete renovation of the group is exactly what the Packers got. Kyler Fackrell is still in town, but he's likely now your fourth rusher and someone who will play as kind of that rotational piece. And so we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about what we have coming here in 2019. Uh, Let's jump right in here and talk about some of these guys that Green Bay acquired to really try to increase the production that they will get out of their outside backers in this coming 2019 season. Yeah, I feel like we kind of hit a jackpot with getting to talk about the edge rushers. This has <laughs> certainly been the the hot button topic all off season, and this group looks so vastly different than, so than good. it did last yeah. <laughs> season. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off. I'm gonna take one of the Smiths. I'll uh, go with Preston Smith, who of course signed with the Packers from Washington, where. He was a good but maybe not great player um, at the edge position for the District of Columbia football squad. It's it's sort of funny because Ryan Kerrigan is probably the most underrated edge rusher in the entire league. And Preston playing across from him also ended up a little underrated. And he he's definitely a better run defender than he is a pass rusher at this point in his career. But he has had eight sack seasons twice in his career. So according to Pro Football Focus, Preston had 53 total pressures and 27 defensive stops in 2018. Pretty solid numbers. And while he hasn't flashed that top-end pass rush dynamic, he is incredibly versatile. And he can rush both from the outside as well as kicking inside to beat guards with quickness. Plus, he's only 26 years old. So Green Bay is certainly banking on continued improvement. Um, But one of the things that's really intriguing about him um, and seems to kind of be a pattern with these free agent signings, Preston Smith, he's been healthy throughout his career and he's highly consistent during 
those first four years in the league. And and I think, you know, Goot has really shown that he he definitely values availability and consistency with his free agent acquisitions. Yeah, absolutely. And you bringing up the age of Preston Smith actually just started uh, me thinking about the guy I'm going to talk about is Darius Smith. And that's a big factor that I forget about even in all that they were able to do this offseason is they got some young talent. Not only did they infuse the roster with talent, this is talent that's going to age really, really well. Uh, so Preston Smith being 26, Zadarius Smith uh, 27. I just think that that's a huge deal for this team that needed to get better and get better with consistency that's going to last on this roster, just not some patchwork moves. But I think you could say that Zadarius Smith was the headliner of this Packers offseason as far as the acquisitions go. He was certainly coveted by the Packers, and his payday definitely tells that story pretty clearly as well. He earned a four-year, $66 million deal from the Packers as a free agent this offseason, but it's pretty well documented that the Packers sought after Zadarius in a trade with Baltimore in the past. Uh, GM um, Brian Gutekunst has said as much that they were all about him early on in the process and even in years prior. But you have to think with Milt Hendrickson coming over from Baltimore to join the Packers front office that that would have only reinforced the Packers' interest in Zadarius. And as Hendrickson would have been able to really just vouch for him both on and off the field. But Zadarius is an interesting player because of the diverse skill set that he brings to the field. He's certainly someone who can bring pressure off the edge, but especially in Baltimore, he made a lot of his money bringing pressure lined up with his hand in the dirt as a three-tech kind of player on obvious passing downs. And we know how much Mike Pettin appreciates the ability to be multiple and to bring different looks. And Zadarius Smith is someone that Green Bay thinks will absolutely allow them to do just that. Uh, earlier this spring, Mike Renner tweeted that Zadarius Smith's combined 17 sacks or hits on third down were tied for the most in the NFL last season. This is a player that is going to impact the passing game and is going to do his part in helping ease the pressure on this improved, but still very, very young secondary. So it's going to be really fun to see how number 55, Zadarius Smith, shows up on Sundays and makes his impact this fall. Yeah, one of the things that I couldn't help think about while you were talking about Zadarius is I I can foresee situations where both of the Smiths are kicked inside and the Packers bring in two other edge rushers. And certainly you don't want to take Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark off the field too often. But Goode has certainly given Mike Pettin a lot of versatile defenders to put in a lot of different situations. I, I definitely don't envy the offensive coordinators and the O-line coaches that have to try to prepare for the different looks Green Bay's defense is going to be able to bring. And one of those players who might be coming off the edge if the Smiths are inside would certainly be Kyler Fackrell. And who else would take <laughs> Kyler Fackrell but me when we're breaking down edge rushers? Oh, man. Obviously, Kyler and I are in need of some professional counseling and maybe some healing time after the way I trashed him all of last offseason. But Kyler made me look like an idiot when he popped up and was seemingly the Packers' only legitimate pass rush threat for most of the season. He finished with 10.5 sacks, which seems like an incredible feat for a guy who kind of was on the roster bubble going into the season. But... Here's my butt, Kyle. I would ask that we proceed with caution when it comes to Kyler's breakout year. We know Fackrell had an incredibly high sacks to quarterback pressures rating, right? We've heard that from all of the people across Twitter that we value the opinions of. 
really high rate of sacks, not as many pressures as you would expect from sack turnouts like that. On one hand, you could think that he was lucky to get sacks on the few plays he was able to get to his quarterback. And on the other hand, you could say he was taking advantage of his opportunities. So I actually wanted to dig a little bit deeper. I put on my air tank, I put on my flippers, and I did a deep dive, <laughs> and used some statistics, and went back in some NFL history and looked at what Kyler's season was like. So if you go back to last last year, Fackrell had 12 quarterback hits. That's an official statistic now in the NFL to 10 and a half sacks. So 12 QB hits. Ten and a half sacks. Those QB hits are recorded when a player makes contact with the quarterback but does not record a sack. Okay, so we have about even for Kyler Fackrell. Let's look at the top three players in the NFL for quarterback hits. We have Aaron Donald, number one. Not surprising at all. He had 41 quarterback hits and 20.5 sacks. That's crazy. Like that, that is disruption. Like we probably haven't seen since like the 15 and 16 seasons from uh, JJ Watt. Fletcher Cox had 34 quarterback hits, still a ton and 10 and a half sacks. So when you're talking Fletcher Cox, same amount of sacks as Kyler Fackrell, but he had 22 more quarterback hits. Yannick Ngakwe uh, from Jacksonville had 33 quarterback hits. So almost three times as many as Kyler and Three less sacks, nine and a half for uh, Ngakwe. So those are elite pass rushers, and you can see that they're getting to the quarterback almost three times as much as as Fackrell total. Players across the league who had 12 quarterback hits, so now we're looking apples to apples here, had the following numbers of sacks. Nine, close, five and a half, nine, three and a half, three and a half, three, four and a half, four, and five and a half. So... So what you would expect from a guy getting to the quarterback as much as Kyler Fackrell was would be a lot fewer sacks than, than what he had. So I also went back and looked historically at other players with similar numbers. And quarterback hits only go back to 2006 as an official statistics. Uh, there were three players in NFL history who had at least 10 sacks with fewer than 12 quarterback hits. All of those came between 06 and 08. So I do wonder a little bit if they were counting quarterback hits differently in, the, in those first few years. But regardless, those players were Robert Mathis, Greg Ellis, and Mark Anderson, who played for the Bears, if you don't remember. Uh, other players with similar seasons to Kyler's 2018 were James Hall, Cliff Averill, and Kelvin Pace. So a couple of those guys were really productive pass rushers. Mathis, Averill, you might be able to argue Kelvin Pace. And the others were really just one-year wonders. So this doesn't mean Fackrell isn't a good pass rusher. But there are a lot of cautionary tales of players who were viewed as better than they really were because of inflated sack numbers. And the most extreme example I could find was in 2015, Vic Beasley uh, led the league with 15 and a half sacks, but only had 16 quarterback hits. So we're talking about, you know, kind of parallel numbers here. Falcons fans thought they had an elite edge rusher. And he really, since then, has been viewed as a big disappointment because of his inconsistency. And his sack numbers decreased and his quarterback hits kind of stayed the same. So a word of caution. Don't read into sacks too much. 
Uh, however, all of that said, I do think Kyler Fackrell is the ideal fourth pass rusher on our team. He also brings a nice change of pace from both of the Smiths and the guy we're going to talk about next, Rashawn Gary, because he's more of a quickness and finesse rusher, which would hopefully allow him more success in getting to the quarterback because of how tackles are going to be used to going against their pass rushing opponents. And so speaking of Rashawn, uh, I believe he is next up on the docket, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. We do have to talk about Rashawn Gary. I just I appreciate your ability to give Kyler Fackrell the credit that he's due, but then also just so subtly put into context that he's he's still just an okay player, right? Like you did that so well. I, I thought the subtlety was lacking. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just outright said that it was, right. it was a one-season wonder. But, you know, read into that how you will. I yeah. just want to provide people with a, with a backdrop of statistics. It's, it's just telling what you were willing to do a deep dive on here. I think it's a – whereas, like, I think my stuff is more of, like, a snorkel level. Like, I'm just still at the surface. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But let's get into Rashawn Gary and talk about him a little bit. I was in full agreement with much of draft tra- – <laughs> Packers draft Twitter. There it is. When Green Bay selected Gary at 12 overall this spring. As a Michigan fan, I had watched a lot of Gary and loved what he brought to the Michigan defense, but I really did have a lot of questions about how he and his skill set would translate to the NFL. Uh, Admittedly, I had some inaccurate assumptions about his work ethic that came from observing his lack, um, just his laid-back personality, and honestly, just kind of how he was portrayed in some media settings. Amazon's All or Nothing series did a season with the 2017 Michigan Wolverines, and Gary is one of the players that they followed relatively relatively closely through that series. And in one episode, they showed Gary working with a tutor on some of his homework. And Gary doesn't appear to care about his homework. And he doesn't want to work harder to earn better grades. That's just kind of how it comes off in the show. But what the show doesn't tell you is that Gary was a two-time academic All-Big Ten honoree, which means he had to have carried a 3.3 or better GPA. And by all accounts from his coaches and his teammates, Rashawn Gary is one of the hardest working guys on the field, and it certainly looks like that carried over to his schoolwork as well. So I, for one, owe Gary an apology for what I assumed was true in the pre-draft process based on an just kind of an incomplete interview that I saw on a stupid TV show, assuming that maybe he just relied too much on his natural ability and didn't always go get it on the field and in the classroom to the best of his ability. But I am now really excited to see how Gary can impact this Packers team. The Packers have openly stated that Gary, who will be wearing former Packer Clay Matthews number 52, which is slightly controversial, will begin his time with the Packers as an outside linebacker. Many assume that he will eventually be used in ways similar to Zadarius Smith, someone who can line up outside on early downs and then kick inside as that twitchy three-tech in obvious passing situations, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see what the Packers have in mind for Gary. Remember, this is someone who posted a top 15 all-time RAS score at the Combine for his workout and measurables. This is just an incredibly rare athlete and an athlete that the Packers obviously fell in love with. And I honestly can't remember a draft pick that frustrated me so much at the time that I later felt more optimistic about. I think Gary has a really high floor. I think he's going to find ways to impact the game just on a on a consistent basis, even if it's not showing up in the stat sheet. And I believe that the Packers believe that Rashawn Gary is only scratching the surface of what he can really become, especially when you combine him with Coach Mike Smith and Coach Mike Pettin and give them time to help him with his craft. And 
it's just absolutely crazy and a total luxury that Green Bay has this kind of a rare athlete as their third edge rusher. It's just really easy to get exciting, uh, excited about what Rashawn Gary can bring to this team. I also, I, obviously, I'm really excited to see what Gary can be, and and I don't think, um, you know, the the impact of Mike Smith can be understated on this group. But I do have two questions for you based on what you said. Um, you were talking about, you know, Gary wearing Clay Matthews, former, uh, you know, number 52. But do do we not care that Clay Matthews stole that from Frank Winters? <laughs> Old bag of donuts, Frank Winters, who of course was a Packers legend. How dare anybody wear his number? Oh. Or Darius Smith for wearing Desmond Bishop's 55? I mean, come on. We're so short-sighted as fans. We just think of the last guy who wore the number. We don't think yeah. of the history. Like, Frank Winters, let's go. Yeah. Like, what's if happening? It, if it was up to Packers Twitter, every number would be retired. Like, there would be no 80s because you'd have to retire Donald Driver and you'd have to retire Jordy Nelson. And you'd we retire just... Greg Jennings for a while, but then you'd unretire it when you hear his comments yeah. about Aaron Rodgers and then, you know, maybe change your right. mind later. Anyway, wearing letters, essentially. You, the second question I had for you. So you mentioned you were, you know, maybe doing a less deep dive and more snorkeling. This um, is true. Were, were you snorkeling in a pool of Rashawn Gary's post-draft tears? <laughs> no. Maybe. I mean, there were a lot of them. He did was, I go? Did he I go too far? Crying very, very hard. I mean, like, it's <laughs> possible. Or it's a giant pool of cheese because apparently he puts cheese on everything. So yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is, but I like it. <laughs> way to fit in with your with your career yeah right right so the next player we're going to talk about i feel like we've exhausted <laughs> four big names yeah. but i need to get kendall donerson in on this show um and if you listen to this show frequently you know i have been on the kendall donerson train since he was drafted in the seventh round last year his measurables are a direct comp for von miller i say this every single time <laughs> i will copy and paste this on my gravestone if i have to von miller Kendall Donerson, athletic equivalents, but he certainly didn't have that refinement. He came out of a very <laughs> small school, and I was really, really disappointed last year. We didn't get to see him at all, really, and um, my expectations are that coming in the season, at a minimum, he should be a core special teams player. I'm also really excited to see what the aforementioned Mike Smith can do with Donerson. He was able to rein in and really refine a player like D Ford and turn him into an elite edge rusher. So I have a lot of hope that he'll at least be able to get Kendall into a solid rotational pass rushing position. So here's what, here's the situation I want all of you to think about. So imagine it is week seven against the Raiders. You have Donald Penn, in deep sets all game after facing the heavy hands and bull rushes of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary for the whole game. He's seen Mike Daniels. He's seen Kenny Clark. He's getting pushback. He does a deep set and a fresh Kendall Donerson comes in and hits him with a speed and a dip move for a strip sack to seal the game. This is the man you want as your fifth pass rusher. That was so beautifully said that I could like envision him just coming around the arc for the sack. Like, that was that was awesome. Oh, right. Although, although I kind of pictured that it was Kyler Fackrell that was that, like, athletic twitch. <laughs> oh, Andrew's, like, dying and falling out of his chair right now. He's so mad at me. Um, it was Kendall Donerson. That's who it was. That's who your fifth pass rusher is. Um, we, should we talk about the next guy? Yeah, there's a guy on the team. He, he'll probably look really good in the preseason and then disappear oh, all regular geez. season. 
that's basically my entire summary of about what I'm about to say. Uh, we, we have to talk about Reggie Gilbert, uh, because if you check Twitter during August of last year, you would think that Reggie Gilbert was the second coming of, yeah, the other Reggie, Reggie White. People were saying, who needs Khalil Mack when you have Reggie Gilbert? You know, this is Mr. Preseason. He had an awesome preseason last year, but then we just didn't see the same thing in the regular season. And so, well, I was one of the ones who thought maybe Reggie Gilbert had a future as a starting edge in the NFL. It looks at least right now that that is not the case. But I'm here to say that that is okay. I'm actually excited about why. Because while Gilbert may not be a dynamic impact player, he's super, super solid. And he made some really good plays in 2018, including carrying Tariq Cohen on a wheel route that he should never have been tasked with covering. But he did it, and he did it pretty well. And so Gilbert isn't a game changer, but he's an absolute luxury to have as a fifth or a sixth edge rusher. And so that's pretty exciting to me to know that entering this season, a player that you thought might need to play significant snaps in 2018 as the third edge rusher behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, because who saw Kyler Fackrell coming as that guy? This guy is now your fifth guy on the death chart, and so that makes you feel pretty good about where you're at with your pass rushing group entering 2019. Fifth guy, huh? I feel like <laughs> you're trying to pick a fight with me, and Sorry. this is not a good Sorry. time, man. Okay, oh, so we have two other guys. We have two other guys we have to talk about uh, before we get into our roster predictions, and those guys would be Randy Ramsey and Greg Roberts, who everybody should be familiar with, of course, uh, because who doesn't love undrafted free agents? Uh, Greg Roberts is out of Baylor, and he definitely has NFL size. He's about six five, two sixty. He combines that with solid athletic traits, uh, and he looks like an NFL player. He was undrafted because he had very little production in college and is purely a projection as a pro. Randy Ramsey, meanwhile, played at Arkansas and had a very productive college career, but is limited athletically. Unless there is an injury, I don't see a way for either of these two players on the active roster. Uh, But the player who proves better throughout the preseason should have a really good chance to crack the practice squad, and the Packers almost always keep an extra edge there. So now, now we know the candidates. Let's discuss who we think is going to make the team. Yeah, before we jump right all the way to these, you know, predictions, I want to stay here and talk about undrafted free agents because I'm sick like that. Um... But Greg Roberts is one of those guys that really, really intrigues me. I know he didn't really have the production, but he also had three different head coaches during his time at Baylor. And Andrew mentioned just how athletic he is. He actually posted an 8.8 RAS score, which isn't Rashawn Gary good, but it's a pretty good number in this pre-draft process. So uh, he's obviously a really athletic guy. So he's a guy who has the tools to be successful. So he's a name that I'm putting a big star next to as we head into training camp, just to see if he can show up enough to earn himself a spot and really be a dark horse to come out of nowhere and maybe even make this team. Yeah, and if we've learned anything about Gutekunst in the last two seasons, it is that if there is a tiebreaker, the freak athlete is getting it. That's true. So that probably bodes pretty well for for Greg Roberts. My roster predictions, pretty straightforward. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kyler Fackrell, and Kendall Donerson making the 53. Uh, My practice squad would be the aforementioned Greg Roberts. 
All right, so I'm basically here with you. All right, brace yourself a little bit. But our bottom of the depth chart just looks a little bit different. Obviously, both the Smiths are a lock, Rashawn Gary's a lock, Kyler Fackrell is a lock at this point, I think, considering his special teams role and luxury as a depth rusher. But I do think that Reggie Gilbert will make this team. And I know you're not going to like me saying this. I, I think that Craig Roberts might make this team over Kendall Donerson. OK, Donerson was a seventh round pick and Roberts is a priority free agent. And so I think that they're kind of essentially equals as far as what the Packers have invested in them. And I think Green Bay might roll the dice on a project like Roberts if they don't see the step that they need to see from Donerson. And so I'm just going to say, Packer fans, if you don't hear my voice again at the end of this podcast, just assume that Andrew Murtig has killed me. For doubting the development of Kendall Donerson. We'll hope to see you next week. Well, if we were in the same state, maybe. You know, I, normally I'd be mad. I'm, Nor- I'm, not, mad, I'm not mad, Kyle. I'm okay. just disappointed. Okay. <laughs> I'm disappointed that you chose to end this relationship after um, one full year of co-hosting. And that you would be willing, willing to betray me like this. <laughs> You're letting me go on a live podcast. But... We will remember, we will remember when Kendall Donerson is a pro bowler in two years that you wanted him cut. We that's will true. Remember that, that's true. Okay? Just it's on the record now. All right. That's fair. <laughs> all right. So that's it. The, that's all the time that we had for today. Uh, this has been a super fun conversation. I'm, I think it's refreshing to get back into actually talking about the Packers again for us after focusing on other teams for so many weeks. And then also just knowing that train camp is right around the corner. We're going to have football to talk about. And um, this certainly has been the pack a day podcast and we will continue and uh, happy birthday to us next week. You and I will be hosting the official kickoff of season two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next week next friday um but you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit and you can find me at andrew mertig remember to also follow at packaday podcast please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by mike tyler and chris and they are going to be highlighting the packers interior defensive line you can catch kyle and myself every single friday we will be back next week with a training camp preview and the official kickoff of season two of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.